For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. When the COVID lockdown started, um, we decided that we would introduce our kids to some of the old Disney classics, some of the, the really old movies. There was nothing else going on, so we thought, why not? And one of the movies was, of course, Lady and the Tramp. Uh, now, as you may well know, in it, um, Aunt Sarah, at one point, uh, comes to watch Lady. Uh, she's dog-sitting, so to speak, uh, and she brings along with her her lovely, beloved uh, Siamese cats. Uh, and uh, there's this interesting scene in the movie where the, the Siamese cats, when Aunt Sarah is around, act perfect. And, and they're, they're primp and they're proper and there's these beautiful loving cats that, uh, that do everything right. And then as soon as Aunt Sarah leaves the room, uh, these Siamese cats, they become just absolute terrors. They, they destroy the house and uh, they're sort of demon-possessed kind of cats. Uh, actually, which cats aren't? But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, and so and I, the movie actually reminded me a little bit of someone I used to work with. Uh, I was working retail, and there was one guy in particular who, um, the best way I can describe him, he, he was kind of slimy. Uh, no one really liked him because he was arrogant, he was rude, he was prideful. Uh, the language that he used at times was totally off color, uh, and he was just really not a, a great human being. Um, but yet, whenever the boss Whenever the boss would come into the room, he would completely change. There was, there was a 180 in his character where he became polite and proper and courteous and ambitious. And, uh, and he would say all the right things when, when the boss was in the room. And then as soon as the boss left, he just became this other guy altogether. Uh, we were shocked that, that our boss fell for it, that didn't, didn't see through it. And, and this guy got lots of promotions and more hours than anyone else. And uh, it, really, it really bothered the rest of us that he was sort of two-faced. And, and I think that uh, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, the religious leaders in particular, I think they were a little bit like that, that publicly they put on a show. They knew the right things to say and they knew what people want, were impressed with. And that's what they did. Um, but deep down in their heart, there was something far different going on. Um, we pick up the text here in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, Jesus is confronting this religiosity of the day, this, this, this outward show, uh, the external front that looked impressive to other people. Um, the hypocrite in, in ancient sort of Greece here was an actor, someone who, who put on this external face. It was a show. It was pretend. Uh, and, and one commentary I came across this week uh, said something interesting. He said, uh, the hypocrite here deceives himself into thinking he is acting in the best interest of God and man and also deceives onlookers. The needy are unlikely to complain when they receive large gifts and their gratitude may flatter, thus bolster the giver's self-delusion. So it's this 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 even deceiving of themselves, these outward shows, uh, the flattery they get from it, the praise they get is truly what God wants. Um, but God is really cutting back into what is the motivation? What is, what is the real attitude of the heart? 
Verse 5, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Um, there are lots of places uh, where, where public and corporate prayer and, and worship is obviously um, sort of commanded, condoned, that it's, it's praised. Um, but, but again, Jesus is kind of getting into the heart um, of why do we pray? Who are we, what are we praying for? Is it to impress or is it because we truly love uh, to communicate with God? But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is, sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So prayer isn't a mantra. It's not just. Uh, it's not a secret formula that can unlock a, a treasure chest. It's about relationship with our Father. Pray then like this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, Jesus doesn't say this is the only way to pray or, or this is the way to pray. Um, he says, um, "Here's how we should pray." Um, he's giving us sort of a framework, a, a heart mentality. And, and we see the same prayer show up similarly, but uh, with some different wording in Luke. And it's probably because Jesus taught them how to pray lots of times. That Jesus probably repeated this many times in many different places. Um, and what we know here is as the, the Lord's Prayer. Um, so it starts with this relationship. Realize that we're praying to God our Father. And that's the way that we start. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Acknowledging um, that it's a kingdom, that, that we're part of a kingdom and, and it's seeking God's reign and rule on earth here and now. Give us this day our daily bread. It's an acknowledgement of our daily need and that God wants to provide for our physical needs here and now because he cares for us like a father. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Um, there's sort of this reminder here about showing mercy about showing mercy because we've been shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful that we love because he first loved us. In the same way, if we truly understand that we have been forgiven, then we also are expected to forgive. It's not a legalistic have to, but there's an expectation that if we have been forgiven, we will forgive. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here we have uh, this idea of a trial that would lead us to fall. Um, Aubrey was actually asking me about this the other day. What, what, what's going on there? And it's it's God. Don't let me don't let me be be temp, be brought into a place where I'm tempted. It's so much that 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 I'll, that I'll fall. That I'll cave. Keep me keep me from putting myself in those positions. But deliver us from evil. I'm acknowledging that there is an evil one. That that we have an enemy. And praying here and now in the moment, but also eternally that we would be delivered from evil. And then there, there is sort of an addendum that's been added on to this prayer. You know, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Uh, that was something that was added after the fact. It doesn't come from the words of Jesus. It doesn't mean that it's theologically untrue. And it's uh, part of the uh, even the intro to this series because the, there, there's truth, theological truth there. But we don't find it here in the prayer. It's sort of added on to it. It's become tradition. Um, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so uh, it comes back to the parable of the unmerciful servant as well. Again, this expectation that if we understand forgiveness and love, that God expects us to live that out. And if we're not, 
that maybe we don't understand it. And the, the unmerciful servant who was forgiven, you know, a multi-million dollar debt who then goes and throws his, his friend, his fellow servant in jail for, you know, a hundred dollar debt. And what does that say about truly understanding the forgiveness that we've received and, and God's expectation and our attitude? And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting might not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, Jesus is saying again, not if you fast, but when you fast. Um, when, when, you, when you intentionally choose to set things aside in order to connect with God, when you do that, don't let other people know that you're doing it. Don't, don't make a show of it. Instead, um, sort of hide it from other people so that only God can see it because it really does expose, again, exposes the motivation. And so Jesus is calling people in three ways here to check their hearts. He says, number one, that we need to check our hearts when it comes to our giving. When it comes to our praying, number two, and when it comes similarly in our fasting, who is our sort of religion, quote unquote, for? What do we do it for? What's our motivation? Is it like the guy that I used to work with that we put on a good show when the boss is around or when people are looking, but when no one's looking, it's very different. And it's a raw question that we all kind of have to ask ourselves regularly um, and to different degrees of, of um how much is my faith just for show? Jesus is pointing at the religious leaders that everyone's really impressed with, and he says, that's not the point. That's not what it's about. Your righteousness has to exceed that because theirs is just external. They're just showing off. They just want to impress you. So does our faith look any different when no one is looking? Uh, Because I think the heart here is... um, is our, is, our, is our faith, is it about impressing other people or is it to delight God? If no one know, else knows about it except God, is that enough for us? Is that our true joy? When, you know, so some questions to wrestle through today. Number one, um, you know, do you give because you're afraid of what others might think? Um, you know, walking past the Salvation Army kettle, are you? Are we giving because we're simply, you know, we don't want the judgment of the person standing at the kettle? Or do we give because we want to bring delight to God and, and have it be an act of worship? Do you put your Bible out on the coffee table when perhaps people from church are coming over, wanting to look more spiritual or holy than maybe you feel, wanting to impress people? Do we find that we pray more in public, for example, on a Sunday morning than we do the rest of the week combined? And do we talk more about Jesus in church than, uh, than we do in every other aspect or part of our life? Do we think about Jesus, reflect on Jesus? Does that just happen at church when, when we're in sort of this church context? Or is Jesus truly the, the delight of our heart? And so... Um, It's a challenging question. There's no easy answer. Each of us kind of need to wrestle with that ourselves when it comes to our devotion. How much of it is about impressing the people around us? Um, And how much of it is actually just trying to delight and enjoy the God who loves us? Questions for you to ponder today. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you that you love us and thank you that you have grace for us. 
Thank you that you're so gracious and merciful and, and you see to our hearts and you know our motivations. We can't hide anything from you and we confess that, that often um, that the, even the good things we do, they're, they're not necessarily completely pure. And you know that and God, you still love us as your children. Help us, God, to, uh, to seek to delight you more than to impress others. I pray that you would stir that up in our hearts to, to, to comprehend and understand the beauty and the magnitude of what you've done for us so that we could simply live in response to it. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, um, hope you're having a good day. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care.